Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The Week 3 preview episode of the Bears Talk Underground is brought to you by MyBookie. You know, ever since I started the podcast, people have been asking me for years, what teams to bet on, and, I, and I've never pretended to be an expert as far as knowing that kind of thing. But uh, you know what? If, if you're going to do it, my bookie, those are the guys to go with. Remember, who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with, and that's why I will always tell you to go to my bookie. Trust me, guys, they are your best bet this season. They've been in business for years. They have great reviews online, and their mobile site is easy to use. That is why I'm urging you to make your way to my bookie. You win, they pay. They have in-game live betting, over-unders on fantasy points scored, and the most rewarding player perks in the business. Imagine what you could have done on Monday night if you had the Bears' defense. Uh, you know, that, that would have been something, huh? My bookie is slammed with new bettors, and, we want to, and they want to give everyone the best service possible. If you're willing to make a deposit after 7 p.m. Eastern time, they'll give you an additional $25 free play on deposits over $100. Join now, and MyBookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar. Use promo code BEARS25 to activate the offer. Visit MyBookie online today. That's MyBookie, M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget to use the promo code BEARS25 when creating your account to claim up to $1,000 in free play. And if you're willing to hold out until after 7 p.m. Eastern, you can get that extra $25 in free play by using the promo code BEARS25. So it's up to you guys, but I'd wait until after dinner and take the extra money. It's, it's a no-brainer if you ask me. So... There you go. Head on over to my bookie after you get done listening to the podcast. Of course, you play, you win, you get paid. My bookie. This week on the Bears Talk Underground, with our beloved over the hump getting their first win on Monday night against the Seahawks, they head out west to the desert where the Arizona Cardinals await their arrival and are looking to end their own winless streak, knocking the Bears off of their high perch and sending them back down to reality. Can the defense continue their feverish pace and keep getting after it, or will they run out of gas? All of this and so much more on the Week 3 preview episode of The Bears Talk Underground. Thirty-five Black helping us say. Hello, the name of our, our brand new theme song. What's going on, everybody? Larry D. back for the week three preview episode of the, not the Chicago, what the hell? Bearstock Underground. Sorry, guys. Voice of habit. <laughs> I've only been saying that for 12 seasons. I mean, this is number 12 that we're doing here. And for the first part of this 12th season, I uttered those words every single time. Welcome to Bearstock Underground, the week three preview episode and uh jess root from cardswire.com and the rise up sea red podcast will be joining us here in just a few minutes uh to help preview this game uh interview was a little short uh i know some of you guys say i don't need to tell you this or anything like that but we had some technical issues it just and, and the only reason i mention it is because it kind of punctuates 
the night that I've been having. Um, been having some car trouble this week, and I just needed the car to get to. I just needed to get the car home tonight, so that I could drop it off at the mechanic, so that I could get fixed tomorrow on Friday when I get paid. And of course, I was halfway home from work tonight, and the car I just had it. It just died on the side of the road. Uh, I tried to get it jumped. I made it about 30 feet from where it got jumped before the car died again. Had to wait another 45 minutes for a tow to come because the guy that came and jumped me was just a service vehicle. It was a a Ford F-150 or something like that. And um, finally got it towed. Finally got it to the mechanic that was open until 10 o'clock. How many mechanics are open until 10 o'clock? It was bananas when I saw that. But uh, then I had to get an Uber to get me from the mechanic to get me back to my apartment just in time to sit down and talk to Jess. And while we were getting into the conversation, things got hinky and went sideways on us and all the rest of that. However, I was able to salvage together from our conversation and technical difficulties aside, a pretty decent 20 minute conversation between myself and Jess Root talking about the Bears and the Cardinals and uh, what we can look forward to uh, this Sunday. Um, One tiny little fib that Jess did tell was you saying that the team was at full strength. Uh, I don't know if, if the Cardinals are just being meticulous about it, but I just got done looking at the injury report listed at on bears.com, and there's only one bear, so we'll just go ahead and get the injury report out of the way while we're talking about it. There is one bear on the injured injury report for the Bears, uh, DeAndre Houston Carson, who has been limited in practice. So he's gone from you know, just watching practice, not, you know, participating or anything like that with that broken forearm of his, he's limited. So he could be back soon um, on Wednesday and Thursday. And the Cardinals have, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 names on their injury list. So I don't know if these guys are just, if the Cardinals are just uh, overly honest or being meticulous about who's injured and who's not. But uh, 12 guys is not full strength. (laughs) You'll hear Jess and I talk about he's like the one thing that's been going right for the Cardinals is that they're healthy. Um, You know, uh, there's a lot of full participation on this list, but there's also 12 names on the injury report. So that's interesting. But uh, while we're talking about it, Sam Bradford, non-injury related, was limited on Wednesday. Full participation today, so whatever it was that was bugging him on Wednesday, he was good to go today. Corey Cunningham uh, out with uh, was full participation with a thumb injury, so this is probably one of those ones he doesn't need to be on the injured list. Larry Fitzgerald did not practice yesterday, was limited today with a hamstring injury. Rudy Ford limited with an ankle injury. Grenis, excuse me, Dennis Gardeck ankle injury has not practiced yet this week. Marcus Golden a knee injury. Full participation. Jermaine Grisham, the tight end. I know what position he plays. Uh, Jermaine Grisham is a tight end. Full participation. Achilles injury. Mikey Potty, the offensive guard, limited with a chest injury. Probably probably something like a muscle strain, something like that, in the pectoral region. Uh, Christian Kirk, the wide receiver. I wouldn't have minded seeing the Bears draft in the second round, uh, but instead we got our boy Anthony Miller. Uh, has been uh, Did not practice today with a back injury. He was not on the injured list on third on Wednesday did not practice today. So we must've tweaked this back in practice yesterday. Uh, rather, uh, Robert M. Uh, M. Dici, or Kim Dici, um, defensive tackle limited with a foot injury. Olsen Pierre, uh, not practicing with a toe injury and Andre Smith 
linebacker, I think. Limited with an elbow injury. So 12 names on a healthy football team. So maybe they're, like I said, maybe the uh, the Cardinals are just being meticulous about it. But 12 guys on an injury report <laughs> does not a healthy team make. So uh, nonetheless, we'll, uh, we'll let Jess slide on that one. He's a, he's a Cardinals fan, and it's not easy being a Cardinal fan uh, these days. So um, anyway, and the other uh, news and notes, um, we talked about it last week, and apparently he's done a follow-up. Uh, Jason Locke and Fora. Uh, this is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Uh, I don't know if uh, if Mitch Trubisky like, slept with his sister in college or... or, or went out and dumped his niece or something like he he has got it out for Trubisky because he followed up last week saying that the Bears are secretly secretly hate Trubisky and that's why he didn't play a lot in the preseason and uh you know they didn't put him out there because they didn't want to embarrass themselves or or to show people that he wasn't ready yet and and all the rest of that stuff just grand conspiracy theory uh conspiracy theory type stuff uh from Lock and Fora last week this week, he's followed it up by saying that Chase Daniel is a better quarterback than Mitch Trubisky. Well, here's the most surprising part, Jason. You're probably right. And what I mean by that is the reason that we even went out and got Chase Daniel and in paying the guy $7-plus million this year, which is close to what Trubisky's getting, if not more, uh, than what Trubisky is, is earning in, in 2018 um, we brought Chase Daniel in because he already knows Nagy's system. Therefore, he could help Mitch Trubisky learn it. So in his time on the field, of course, he looks more comfortable because he already knows it. Trubisky is learning it. And granted, it hasn't been the prettiest thing in the world the first two weeks of the season. But Trubisky has his talents I, I'm still I haven't wavered on the fact that I have that quote unquote feeling that I have about Trubisky being for real and Trubisky being the guy for the Bears and being the one that will be able to lead us where it is this team wants to go. I still have no doubts in that. You know, I mean, we listed all the reasons in, in the, the, the week two pre, uh, review uh, on on Tuesday night about how it's a brand new offense with a bunch of new guys playing with each other for the first time, still learning how to play with each other, learning a brand new system together, being called by a guy doing it for the first time as a head coach uh, and such. So there's there's a learning curve there. And granted, we as Bear fans are about as impatient as it comes because here we are, year number six, uh, outside of the Lovey Smith era. But you still have to keep that in mind if you're trying to look at it from a an even perspective here. 
There's a lot, there's a learning curve right there. We're still experiencing, we're still in the midst of it. So of course, Trubisky's not going to look 100% right out of the gate. Chase Daniel will look better in the system because he already knows it. And that's one of the reasons why we paid him the money to come to Chicago was to help our golden boy learn it. So possibly, I think it's possible that if you put Chase Daniel out there right now, he would perform better than Trubisky. The problem being, Trubisky is is a better, I think he's a better athlete than, um, than Daniel, therefore more capable of doing things with this offense than Chase Daniel will once Trubisky knows the offense. He's learning it. He can perform it. He's a smart guy. The learning curve isn't as steep for him. However, he hasn't spent years in the system the same way that Chase Daniel has. Therefore, he's going to look better running the offense out of the gate. So it's it's I don't know what the hell Lock and Four's problem is, but he has got a thing for Trubisky. He has even come out and flat out said, I am a staunch Trubisky skeptic. So I don't know what it did, what it is. Maybe he bet big against uh, North Carolina and Trubisky smoked him. And, you know, his wife left him. So I don't know what the hell that guy's problem is. He has got a hard on for Mitch Trubisky. He will not let him breathe. Uh, he hasn't he hasn't gone a week in the last couple of weeks without saying something uh, about Trubisky or mentioning how he's he's not the quarterback or that the, the the franchise doesn't believe in him. The organization doesn't believe in him. We went and got we went out and got Mac uh, and paid him big bucks because we know we're not going to have to pay Trubisky uh, top dollar a few years from now and and all the rest of that crap. So I don't know what Lockett Forest problem is with Trubisky, um, but uh, he's had no problem in the last few weeks expressing his uh, disdain or dislike or disgust or whatever uh, with our young quarterback. And um, he's still my guy, so I'm still behind him. And uh, Lock and Four, I can go take a long walk on a short pier when it comes to um, his opinion on my beloved Chicago Bears. And then finally, in our news and notes uh, section, we probably should have seen probably Khalil Mack on this list last week, and instead it was um, – Harrison Smith from the Vikings. Well, we got it corrected this week. You knew somebody was going to have to make the list after the performance we had on Monday night. Somebody was going to have to be defensive player of the week in the NFC, and it was Danny Trevathan. Six tackles, two sacks, and a forced fumble out of our uh, inside linebacker, just wreaking havoc back there, right along with everybody else. I mean, there were candidates, Khalil Mack doing his thing, um, you know, obviously Prince of Mukamura with his big play that sealed the game on Monday night. There were multiple candidates on the offensive, on, excuse me, defensive side that uh, were up for this award. Trevathan probably being the most worthy considering his stats uh, on Monday night. So he is a deserving uh, NFC defensive player uh, of the week. So con- uh, congratulations to, uh, as Jason Witten called him several times throughout the broadcast on Monday night, Danny Trevathan. Uh, it was even a little Twitter thing uh, this week. Uh, Trevathan, after hearing that uh, Witten had been uh, mispronouncing his name for the entire football game, uh, uh, said something to the effect like, guys, it's, it's year seven. We should probably be pronouncing my name correctly uh, at this point. Something in, in, of that effect is, is what he put on Twitter. And he mentioned Jason Witten in that comment uh, as well. So Danny Trevathan, um, also known as Danny Trevathan, the NFC Defensive Player uh, of the Week. And then finally, before we get to our talk with Jess, 
uh, about the Bears and the Cardinals this weekend. Number one, I'll be glad when this game is over because then we can finally go back to the Bears playing at noon. Um, I don't know about you, but my whole life, the Bears, especially here in the Midwest, the game started at noon. Now, wherever you are, maybe they start at 1 p.m. or whatever the, the case may be. But Sunday at noon, the Bears kick off. That's my whole life. And um, so far in the first three weeks of the season, 7.30 on Sunday, 7.30 on Monday, 3.30 on Sunday. So it'll be nice next week when we play the Bucks, we kick off at noon and pretty much do so for the rest of the season. Uh, aside from our, our Thanksgiving game against the uh, Lions and any games that might get flexed later on down the trough here, uh, the Bears play at noon pretty much from here on out after this game against the Cardinals on Sunday. So I am looking forward to that. And I know that a lot of my listeners over in the UK uh, will be much happier when the Bears start playing at noon because that means the game starts at, what, 7 p.m. out there in the UK? 7 p.m. as opposed to 10 o'clock at night for this game. And, and for those Warriors then for the first two weeks uh, watching a, what, 2 or 3 a.m. kickoff if you're trying to watch the game live on on uh, on what would be monday or tuesday morning uh, out there in the uk the last couple of weeks so i know that you guys are thrilled that uh, the game starts at 10 this week or nine or whatever the time difference is between here and the midwest and you'll be even happier uh the week after when they play the bucks that they're playing at 7 p.m as opposed to 10 p.m on sunday or two or three in the morning on sunday night or monday <laughs> Or Tuesday or Monday night and Tuesday night. Uh, so I know you guys, you know, preaching to the choir is what I am with you. You guys are definitely, uh, you know, I'm not feeling your pain, but, um, you know, you can sense my frustration. And uh, I, know, I know that you uh, you understand where I'm coming from uh, on that. You're in a much you're in a much worse ship than me if you're trying to watch the game live. <laughs> I don't know what time that game would start. So what? Seven o'clock here. It's what a six, seven hour time difference. So it had to be what a 2 a.m., 3 a.m. start, 6 a.m. No, what the hell am I saying? Six, seven thirty out here would be six hours would be 1.30, So seven hours would be two thirty, something like that for you guys if you're watching it live. And um, I know my guy Bears Bonanza who hits me up on Twitter from time to time is in is in the Middle East, India, something like that. I don't even want to know how long that is. Like you're probably watching the game like four or five o'clock the next morning. Uh, you know, it's already Monday afternoon by the time the game is over. It's probably crazy out there uh, for you. So uh, anyway, we finally get back to noon next week against the Bucks, and pretty much stay there for the rest of the season. And I'll be thrilled uh, with that because uh, I like having my Sunday afternoons to myself after the games and maybe go catch a movie or, or what have you. Um, but um Anyway, I'm rambling now. So last thing I want to talk about before we get to Jess is I um, saw an interesting article on Bears.com today. Three matchups to look out for on Sunday. And two of them in particular I want to talk about. One being Allen Robinson versus Patrick Peterson. Now it's our best receiver against their best corner. And what makes it an interesting matchup, in my opinion, is that Allen Robinson has been Trubisky's favorite target up to this point. We, we thought that after watching the videos of training camp and in their time, their short amount of time in the preseason, that it would be Trey Burton that would be, uh, that would be Trubisky's favorite target. That hasn't happened yet, or at least, in like, like I said, we haven't seen it yet. 
Uh, I still think that could be a thing once we get a little bit more ingrained into the offense and have a little bit more of a comfort level with it. But so far, it's very much been kind of like a Jake Cutler, Brandon Marshall thing where Trubisky is always looking for Robinson and throwing the ball his way. Robinson made, I think, nine catches on Monday night, but he was targeted like 13 or 14 times uh, on Monday night. So the ball was constantly coming his way. Um, And that's why I think it's an intriguing matchup because Peterson is one of the best corners in football. And Trubisky did not have a great night throwing the ball on on Monday against the Seahawks. And Peterson is uh, adept at at making interceptions and making a move uh, on the ball. So if he's been doing his homework this week and he sees, you know, a hitch in Mitch's giddy up to the where he'll be able to jump around like like Prince of Mukamura did on that uh, pick six against Wilson. That was something that he saw on film and was able to take advantage of it during the game and make the Seahawks pay. If Peterson has been able to find anything like that on film this week, it could get interesting out there, uh, especially like when you hear me talk to Jess here in a few minutes. The the best offense for the Cardinals this week could be, you know, a scoring defense because their offense has been horrendous. Five first downs last week against the Rams. Now, granted, the Rams are old world on paper. They're the best team on in football and so on and so forth. But five first downs, that's comical. That's that's desperately bad. Uh, is what that is. Five first downs in a 60-minute game. That's, whew, that is horrendous. So, you know, anything that can help the the Cardinals get on the board, Patrick Peterson might be just the guy to do it. So that's what, that's what makes the matchup between Robinson and Peterson most interesting, in my opinion, because Mitch was not throwing the ball very well uh, on Monday night, and uh, hopefully that's something that he's seen on film and is uh, correcting it. Uh, as we speak and um, you know I'm hoping that he just doesn't try to force one in there uh, to Robinson that Peterson will take back to the house so because we don't want to give a football team like this that's probably as low as it can go at this point you know only six points uh, in game one shut out again or shut out last week and you know both teams that both their opponents ran away laughing uh, at them uh, in the last couple of weeks You don't want to give a team like that hope. You don't want to give them a spark, give them a reason to keep fighting as the game goes along. So hopefully that uh, that won't become an issue, but it was intriguing to me. And I when I saw that and that's why Peterson has the ability to flip the game and Trubisky hasn't been throwing the football very well in these first uh, two weeks. And Peterson is a fantastic corner and uh, has the ability to make us pay for any mistake that Trubisky might make. And then finally, the second uh, matchup of those three that I um, that I uh, was intrigued by is the one that could uh, give us the most problems on Sunday, and that is Charles Leno versus Chandler Jones. Chandler Jones, outstanding pass rusher, uh, was with the Patriots, won a couple of Super Bowls with them, was traded to Arizona, and his level of play has not uh, plateaued, as some Patriot players do once they're traded away from the from the dynasty, from the empire, if you will. Uh, Chandler Jones, still a stud. And Charles Leno, despite the fact that Pace saw the need to give that guy $9 million a season to be our left tackle for the next four years, is about is a very mediocre left tackle. I mean, I, at least when I noticed the guy, he's uh, you know getting beat off the edge or something like that. I've, 
I just don't see what what Pace and company have seen or what a lot of people have seen when they keep telling me that Charles Leno is improving. I'll take your word for it because when I'm watching the guy, I don't like what I see. So that's an intriguing matchup for us because Chandler Jones uh, on the defensive side, he's an outstanding pass rusher. Um, I think he was, if he didn't lead the league in sacks last year, he was way close to the top uh, in doing so in 2017. So uh, definitely capable of making the Bears, uh, making the the afternoon a long one uh, for Trubisky or for Charles Leno in particular, uh, if if Leno isn't up to the task uh, on Sunday. So there's a couple of matchups to keep your eye on on uh, on Sunday. Uh, And with that, we'll go ahead and... uh, I will shut my trap and then open it again when I talk to our good friend Jess Root from CardsWire.com helping us preview Bears Cardinals for week number three. Week three of the 2018 schedule has our beloved Chicago Bears traveling out west to the desert to take on the Arizona Cardinals. The Cardinals, unfortunately, sitting at 0-2 right now, and uh, the Bears coming off a a nice win over the Seahawks on Monday Night Football, looking to keep the arrow pointing north and uh, here to help us uh, navigate these muddy waters to find out what 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 can we expect coming up on Sunday afternoon. Jess Root from CardsWire, our good friend. Jess, how are we doing? We're doing good, but the Cardinals are not doing well. So I, I personally am having things going well, but the Cardinals have been awful. I mean, I thought this team was – I mean, nationally, people thought this team was going to be terrible. And I, I scoffed at that. Like, look at the talents. You've got David Johnson. You've got Patrick Peterson. You've got Larry Fitzgerald. you got Chandler Jones. This will be a competitive team. And I had them pegged between somewhere between six and ten wins, ten being if everything goes well, right. six even if everything goes poorly. And they come out the gate, and they are the worst team in football so far this season. I don't think there's any doubt about it. They have six points in two games. They've given up 40 points in the second quarter. They cannot do anything offensively and barely show. There's some positive, there's, there's some positive feels going towards the run defense but you know while the defense looks okay to start the game it falls apart because the offense is awful so here we are with a with a cardinals team that they hope we hope to be competitive and they've been anything but they've been a joke yeah so i mean it it's been kind of surprising i mean i know it was only preseason but i got to watch a good portion of the game against the saints which was i think the second preseason game uh, of the year and I was impressed with what the with what the Cardinals were doing and uh, I really liked what I saw from from Sam Rose and I think that the couple of drives that I watched he threw a touchdown pass in 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 one of them and uh, you know it was it was interesting to 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 watch and I, I was curious as to seeing you know what the what the Cardinals were going to be this year I think you and I talked a lot about that over the summer when we were previewing the season uh, and everything, you know, with Steve Wilkes and, and you know, this brand new regime of, of coaches uh, and whatnot and how the team would respond and, and, and uh, you know, with the pieces that you do have and you, you, you listed them off. You got David Johnson. He's got his contract, so he's a happy guy now. Uh, you got Chandler Jones, one of the best pass rushers in the NFL on the defensive side, along with arguably the top corner in the league and, and Patrick Peterson. So you do have some things to hang your hat on. 
And then I'm looking at week one, 24 to six, and then last week, 34 to nothing. And, you know, it's like, so obviously the offense is a huge problem. And as you stated a moment ago, the defense is tough in the beginning, but falls apart because you're losing the time of possession battle, I think, an average of 10 minutes in the first two games. I mean, what, what really is going on with the offense? I mean, is, is the, the O-line not gelling so David Johnson can't get going? Is Bradford as bad as he has been in the past? Or what's going on there? Pick your poison. It's everything. Um, <laughs> the, 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 the play calling looks terrible. Mm. Um, the run plays are very boring. They've been using David Johnson very strangely considering the skill set it's like mike mccoy is stuck in in the early 2000s as to what running back stands let's run inside zone right inside zone left and i mean that's fine but you can't only do that with a guy like david johnson who's special i mean might be the best running back in the league overall and, and what he does so well is is his versatility you know he last season uh, nearly a quarter of the, his snaps were out lined up at receiver. Well, I mean, okay, let, over his career, let's say 2016, not last season. Right. Uh, last season he plays most most of one game. Um, but in, in 2016, it was nearly a quarter of his snaps were out as a receiver, out lined up wide or lined up in the slot. So far this season has been 4%. So they're, they're not running the ball a lot just because they're not getting a lot of plays. And then when they, pass, when they get them involved in the passing game, it's been outlet pass, dump off pass. So it's not like you're taking advantage of much that way. So it, it boils down to this. The offensive line has not been good yet overall. And so they're not giving Sam Bradford enough time to feel comfortable. Sam Bradford does not feel comfortable. And he's not trusting. the. And he's, making, he's dumping the ball off, dump off, dump off, dump off. Probably what you guys are familiar with from saying from Mike Glennon last year. Yeah. It's been dump off after dump off after check down after check down throw into the and there's guys open down the field or if he waits a half a second longer he has a play down the field but he's checking everything down it's very vanilla and you know so it's, the offensive line isn't quite there the bradford's not comfortable behind the offensive line he's not patient he's making the first throw the receivers don't always get separation and and and, and then the defense they're they're down early well like once they get to the second quarter the floodgates open then every offensive game plan is out the window and so you can't really run the football after that um, because when they've started to run the ball early in the game, they've had success. They've just been really bad on third down. So you get the combination of everything. And, and there's been mentalist mistakes, too. So it's kind of there's there are assignment mistakes kind of going around the entire offense at different times. And what you have is the worst offense in football because, well, one, they're, they're still adjusting to the new scheme, so everyone is – there's people making mistakes. At least it's like one person's making a mistake every play, but it's right. not the same person. Their, their game plan's down. The play calling is boring. Sam Bradford's not playing well. He, he I mean, he looks washed. I mean, Sam Bradford is a talented quarterback. We've ta- heard about all offseason about how, how accurate he is, and, and we've seen, you know, since his St. Louis days, his play has been very good. Um and so you'd think that he, you'd, the Cardinals would be a middling team. But he looks washed up. His, his, there's no pop to his throws. He's not comfortable. He's not making throws down the field. The receivers aren't getting plays. The running game isn't there, and the defense is falling apart. And so just everything. It's literally everything that could be going wrong other than health is going wrong. So everything that, Leah, like you said, it's, it's worst-case scenario across the board, oh, except geez. everyone is healthy somehow. <laughs> yes. 
That's the one thing that's going right is that they can all suck at full strength. That's that's what's going on yes, at the that's moment. Basic. That is the season in a nutshell. Wow. A healthy suck. That's, <laughs> that's just. Wow. That's... We can't even use it as an excuse. Yeah, I mean that's that's frustrating. You know, I mean at least that uh, in Chicago that has been a quote unquote excuse that we've been able to use the last few years because we've led the league in injured reserve since John Fox took over. Um, you know, it's like we would have pretty much anyone who was anyone on the on the team would be on injured reserve at you know at some point during the uh, the season, and so we could kind of hang our hat on the fact that uh, you know we didn't have the the sold we didn't have the the soldiers that we came with. You know, we had the backup guys. You know, after the first wave came through, kind of thing, and it's uh, you know, unfortunately for you guys, I mean, it's still early in the season, so maybe that can be your excuse by the end of the year. But uh, right here, right now, everybody's healthy, but nobody's playing well. Right. And the, the, with what we've seen, it's kind of sucked any hope into the season out now. There were lots of people that, that weren't expecting much, so there's that. Um, the issue is, and, and I believe a lot of the issues are simply things will correct themselves out of familiarity with the system. But the problem, and, and I still think that this team is talented enough to be a competitive team who, if they started from day one and started in week one to play to their capacity, would be potentially a, a, a playoff team. But, but what, I, what I, at this point, what I believe is going to be happening is, one, um, they're, they're going to be put in such a big hole. I mean, we're, we're staring at 0-3 in the face, and with the teams that are, come, that are coming up, they could be staring at 0-6, 1-5, 1-7, 0-7 before things turn around. And even if over the last seven to nine games they are a competent football team, the, the memory of this year will be how awful they were. Right, right. And, you know, I, I was, you know, very interested in, in the Cardinals – this year because there were a lot of questions coming in with with Arians leaving you know and uh Wilkes coming in and um you know Larry Fitzgerald does come back you 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 resolve the contract thing with David Johnson you got Chandler Jones in play and it's aside from the Rams the rest of the division is kind of wide open because would the Seahawks come back to be who they were would they be able to return to form would the 49ers be the team everybody thinks that they have the potential to be and then what about the cardinals can bradford perform the same magic in arizona that he was working on in in minnesota he has larry fitzgerald there are some pieces with david johnson in the offense i mean it was definitely an intriguing prospect of what the cardinals would be up to and what they would be capable of and what we're seeing only in the first two games has been kind of ugly thus far Yep, that, that's it in a nutshell. Garbage, garbage, trash, garbage. Now, a couple of positives. Okay. The run defense from week one to week two went, was much better. So if we're looking for, for, for small positives, things to build upon, they were gashed by Adrian Peterson and Chris Thompson in week one. Todd Gurley, tough yards. They, hmm. they, you know, Los Angeles ran the ball 33 times, only 90 yards on the ground, so there was less than three yards to carry. Todd Gurley was held uh to under four yards a carry so they the running game went well the run defense went well they gave up three touchdowns to Gurley, but that was you know you, you can't stop him at the goal line pretty much sure so there but so we saw improvement from the pat the run defense from week one to week two which leads uk there's the potential for improvement where if their next step is to shore up some of the passing the pass defense then then you could have a formidable defense with a 
with a hapless offense that still can improve. So if if that part improves and then the offense improves or something offensively improves, so if one thing gets better this week against the Bears, no longer will they look hapless. They still might lose, but they will not. They'll look some semi-competitive if another element of the of the of their team improves from week two to week three right so i mean i was just looking at the just comparing the stats as from week one to week two and as you mentioned before they've given up 40 points thus far in the second quarter and in both uh, if i'm not mistaken both games in the first quarter ended a zero zero tie and then halftime against the redskins you're down 21 nothing halftime against the uh, rams you're down 19 uh, to nothing. So what is it about that second quarter that's been killing you guys so far? The offense. The defense <laughs> is, is playing adequately in the first quarter, but the offense is struggling so badly that it puts the defense in bad positions, and then the floodgates open. And so um, short field, big play here or there, and, and then the floodgates open, and then it becomes three and out, three and out, and they get the ball back. And, and that's kind of been the case is, you know, I felt that the coming of the year kind of the blueprint for this team was to have a stout defense up front, have a stout defense up front. And in week one, we saw how the wheels came off. They're supposed to be, if you start off defending the run very well. So, and that allow you to keep points off the board and then establish your running game would allow you then the game plan to kind of, you know, methodical, make some plays, keep it close late um, for stuff to happen. But when we saw that the run defense didn't work in week one, things fell apart and the offense to, the offense couldn't function outside of the, the original blueprint. And week two was kind of the same thing. Is Once once you they get more than a square behind, it feels insurmountable. And yeah. if they could keep it within one score and see some at least some pause, like you know, a couple of first downs, before having the play, you know, at least playing a little bit of field position, it wouldn't feel so insurmountable. But the second there, there's a score, and then there's a second score, and you're like, oh, it's done. I mean, there's, there's, it, it feels completely done. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's got to be kind of demoralizing to have literally the tale of two cities on your, uh, you know, in, in the first half. You're, you're competitive. You're grinding. It's, it's anybody's game at the end of one, but at the end of two, I mean, it, it's the seesaw that won't go back down again. You know, it's like the, the the Rams are all the way on the ground, and you're 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 tilted all the way up, and you can't get down, and it's just uh, you know it, and it's just going to be ugly trying to get off of that thing, and uh, I mean, because I was looking at the like I said, just looking at the stats, and five first downs from the that's all that's terrible. I mean, that's like Madden bad. That's what you do, you know, when when you're when you're playing against a rookie level or something like that. I mean, that's it's almost comical to see you only got five first downs in an entire football game. That yeah, just let's not talk about that. It's really embarrassing. <laughs> so, so I mean, you know, we did talk about some of the positives, the stout defense, and everything. What what do you need to do on offense to to kind of turn things turn things around? It's I mean, it starts with running. I mean, it starts with having a little bit of success in something. Okay, we need a couple first downs. Run the ball a little bit. Um, get a first down here and there. Uh, Sam Bradford making a throw down the field. To make don't dump everything off within three yards push the ball a little bit make a half second there's there's some stuff there's there's stuff you can do real quick jess i know you don't have much time um 
what are you hoping that you see from the Cardinals on Sunday? Is it just improvement? Do you think that they can win? Do they, I mean, I know it's the NFL and any given Sunday and all that kind of stuff, but, but how do you like your chances against the Bears this Sunday? Optimism is all but gone in, in terms of winning, <laughs> I mean, especially with the defense that's coming into town. So right. my hope is competence with a little luck. That's okay. Yes, a win could happen. Sure. I'm not expecting it to happen, but if I I want competition, I want competence so that it's close enough to where, say something stupid happens one way or the other, it could turn the table. You know, say. 2006 when we have the lead and oh. Edger and James inexplicably cocks up the ball yeah. and things fall apart. If that can happen the other way around, hey, if that could happen, anything can happen. But no, it, competence offensively and improved defense is kind of what I'm hoping for. Sure. And um, how, where's, where's, the, where's the fan base? I mean, you're, you're a barometer. You write for cards wire so i'm sure you interact and you have a podcast as well so there's that as well where's the start sam rosen wave where 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 are we at on that i mean is it a tidal wave about to wash over or is it just rumbling and it's on its way to shore oh it's it's already here and (laughs) i don't like i don't know how the cardinals if if there's another if there's another performance like we saw last the last two weeks i have no idea if they would be able to in any way uh, quell that right yeah that's pretty much how we dealt with uh with with glennon uh a year ago i mean i was i was adamant that i wanted nothing to do with trubisky playing with the football team that we had a year ago you know and it's very much like the cardinals are now we we're very competent on defense we had some pieces there that were impressive that could keep us in the football game but we were breaking down towards the end because the offense was giving nothing back because we had no receivers. We were playing against eight, nine-man boxes against Jordan Howard last year because we they were daring us to throw the football and we weren't able to do it. I was adamant that I didn't want Trubisky out there, but after four weeks of Mike Glennon just looking worse every single week, I was like, you know what? The hell with it. I can't fight it anymore. Put the kid out there He's and, and just see what happens because I can't handle this for 12 more weeks. Well, and and I wrote a piece this week about, you know, as bad as as Mike Glennon was. And and honestly, Glennon ended up becoming the laughing stock of the league. He was last year's Brock Osweiler. Sure. Bradford's far worse than far worse than Glennon was statistically. And he's making more money than than Glennon did a year ago. Uh, Yep. So there's that. (laughs) (laughs) Well. Well, man, I, I, I hope that it is uh, competitive uh, for your sake. Uh, for my sake, I would like to have a week where I'm not biting my nails uh, waiting for this thing to get away from us because as dominant as our defense was a week ago through three quarters, it was still a 10-3 to three ball game. So, you know, I would much rather have a uh, Cardinals versus Rams repeat than a, you know, Bears versus Seahawks repeat where we're – that where the Cardinals still have a chance, there's a ray of light. All they need is one score, and it's a zero-zero game again. It's anybody's game, you know. So I hope for the sake of your sanity, it's a competitive game. For the sake of mine, I hope that it's a, a, a an embarrassment out there in the desert, and we fly home happy. Yeah, well, thanks for having me. Basic competition is what I can hope for. <laughs> so uh, tell us where we can uh, find you online. Uh, you guys doing anything on the Bears this week on the podcast? 
Uh, on the podcast, we, we recorded our episode. It's the Rise Up Sea Red podcast. Uh, we recorded our episode Tuesday night. It, it, it dropped on Wednesday. We talk about, well, mo- mainly it's talking about all that's going wrong with the Cardinals, but the last segment we do talk about um, what there is to look ahead with the Bears. I'm actually right now writing my story for the Cardinals fans at CardsWire.com. Okay, here are the four stories about the Bears that Cardinals fans need to know. So you can check out not only Cardinals coverage, you can see what what kind of things that we're dishing out to the Cardinals fans about your Bears. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Jess, uh, technical issues aside, it was nice talking to you uh, again. <laughs> and uh, I hope that the uh, the game is fun for both of us. Maybe there's a happy medium between competitive and, and blowout that we can both uh, that we can both deal with. How does that sound? I'll, you know, I prefer competitive, but okay, I'll take that. <laughs> <laughs> Jess Root, CardsWire.com, uh, and uh, Rise Up Sea red podcast. Thanks so much for joining us, man. We'll talk to you again real soon. All right, thanks. I want to thank Jess Roots for uh, joining us. You can check him out on the uh, Rise Up Sea Red podcast and CardsWire.com. Go ahead and check out their uh, their episode for this week and see what they had to say about the uh, our beloved Chicago Bears. And uh, I believe either Jess or both of them actually were on uh, uh, Locked On Bears with Lauren Cox, our other good friend, uh, this week. We'll be hearing from Lauren soon when we do our our first quarter review when we when we have our bye week here in a couple of weeks um so hopefully we'll be having uh, lauren on uh, on for that show again and uh, compare notes on what we've seen in the first four weeks and before we get to our uh, our closing segment here and uh, i give you uh, the do's and don'ts uh, for this weekend uh, remember guys uh, who you're betting on just as important as who you're betting with so you want to go with my bookie my bookie being slammed with new betters and wants to give everyone the best service possible. If you're willing to make that deposit after 7 Eastern, 7 p.m. Eastern, give you an extra $25 in free play. Deposits over $100. So free money. Who would want to turn that down? You know what I'm saying? Uh, so join now and my bookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar. Use promo code BEARS25. That's a new one. BEARS25 to activate the offer. Visit my bookie online today. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget to use the promo code Bears 25 when creating your account to claim up to $1,000 in free pay. So it's up to you guys, but I'd wait until after dinner, 7 p.m. Eastern, you get an extra 25 bucks and take that extra money. You play, you win, you get paid with my bookie. So here we go. What we need to do on defense, it's simple. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep getting after the passer. Uh, Keep creating your own opportunities. Keep the football in the offense's hands you know, and while you're at it, you've been doing it for the first two weeks of the season. Uh, score your own points too. That does not suck. You know, it's uh, it's been pretty awesome to see the uh, the defense uh, <laughs> scoring some points on their own. I mean, we we owe 14 of the points that we've scored thus far from the uh, from the defense. So that's been pretty awesome uh, to see, and uh, just see how many mistakes we can generate. Uh, against this Cardinal football team. I mean, you heard Jess talk about it briefly there, uh, about it seems like somebody's making a mistake on every play and, you know, with, with guys learning this offense, somebody's getting something wrong and it's uh, it's showing up big on the field. 
And um, <clears throat> also mentioning, you know, how inept Bradford has been up to this point. And uh, could this be the game where, uh, you know, Cardinal fans and the Cardinal coaching staff alike have seen enough of Sam Bradford and throw Josh Rosen out there and, and, and see what the future may look like. Will he provide the spark that this offense so desperately needs and how deep into the game do we have to wait for that? And because um, you heard you, I mean, we went through this a year ago with, uh, with Glennon and Trubisky. You guys heard me. I mean, I was definitely in the minority. I did not want Trubisky out there. I did not want him getting feasted on by defenses when we had nothing you know, he had no one to throw the football to. We got Jordan Howard running into eight, nine-man boxes on every single play, and we just got nothing outside of that. No wide receiver targets, no, you know, cons nobody consistent uh, that we could rely on. And, you know, we definitely have the tools this year, but I didn't want Trubisky out there. And, you know, let Glennon suffer the problems. Let Glennon get through this. He's a veteran. He's played on bad football teams. He knows how to handle it. I don't want this to be the I don't want Trubisky to, to, to learn this and be his normal. You know, I, I want uh, I want him to, to, to get the best chance. And um, then after four weeks and especially after that Green Bay game on Thursday night last week, it was like, screw it. Put him out there. Just just put him out. It can't get any worse than what it's been out there with this guy. And, and what made it worse with Glennon is that he was the veteran. He was the guy that had been around this before, and you'd think the guy didn't know what end of the football to throw it with kind of thing. I mean, it was, uh, it was getting bad out there, and it was just something you couldn't deny anymore. How close are the Cardinals to that moment? You know, will it be halfway through this football game? Will Sam, uh, I keep wanting to call him Sam Rosen, like the announcer. Will Josh Rosen be the starting quarterback in the second half? Or will the, the Bears just pummel Bradford into the ground and uh, – we we induce uh josh rosen into the into the lineup much like uh, i was just reading the tweets here a moment ago uh baker mayfield forced into duty tonight for the for the browns when tyrod taylor went out with a concussion i wonder what impact that's had on the football game uh tonight i mean you got the top two quarterbacks in the draft going head to head with each other darnold with the jets and, and mayfield with the browns right now i wonder how that is uh that is turning out so i better hurry up and wrap this bad boy up so i can catch the end of the game huh um, anyway, defense, keep doing what you're doing. Offense, stop doing what you're doing. For the love of God, stop it. Uh, give the football to Jordan Howard uh, and Tariq Cohen. Let's get the running game going because we saw how that affected the offense, that, that last touchdown drive, the best-looking drive we had all night long because even that opening drive that resulted in a touchdown against Seattle, we got a lot of help. In, in penalties and, and things like that. It, it didn't look as sharp as the opening drive did against the Packers uh, in week one. But that last drive that was capped off by the Anthony Miller touchdown in the fourth quarter, um, that was the best-looking drive that the offense had all night long. And it was a good mixture of run and pass. Jordan Howard get a chunk here, a chunk there, and then the touchdown was a play-action pass. You know, we, we had the, uh, the defense thinking everything was going right. Trubisky rolls to the left, wide open Anthony Miller in the side, in the corner of the end zone there. Boom, touchdown. We're on the board. We've got a 14-point lead against an offense that can't even tie its shoes right now, and we're in great shape for the rest of the football game. And we want to have more drives that look like that. We need to balance it out a little bit more. And, uh, you know, instead of run-pass options, 
just call a pass play, call a run. How about we just do that for a while and see how that works so that we're not taking the ball out of Jordan Howard's hands to try to make a pass that we shouldn't be passing anyway. So it's like, I know the RPOs is more about taking what the defense has given you. If you got eight guys in the box, then you definitely want to throw the ball because there's going to be, you know, a better option, a better probability that you're going to complete the pass and a lower probability of getting anything successful against the run and vice versa. There's four or five guys uh, in there and you got guys dropping back into coverage. You want to run the ball and take advantage of those numbers. I get what the RPOs are all about, but Jordan Howard got 1,100 yards running into human brick walls of humanity last year. I'm sure he can manage if we just give him the football. Like I mentioned earlier this week, Howard is a volume runner. The more you give him the football, the more dangerous he's become at you know as the game goes along, the more likely he is to pop one off for about 15 or 20 yards. You know, take one of those inside runs and boom, he comes out the other side and nobody lays a finger on him until he's on the third level. Like he'll run through the first one, straight past the second one, and it's up to the safety to bring him down and save the touchdown. So you want to keep giving the Jordan Howard the football to, to, to give us the best chance to do that and then feed off the play action. Look at that drive that we had in the fourth quarter for the touchdown because that's the best example of, I think, what this offense can do. The, the, I mean, to me, that was the best mixture of what we were, what we did all night uh, against the Seahawks, where we used all of our weapons, including Jordan Howard, and we got the best result possible, which is a touchdown. So I would least like to see the offense focus a bit more on the run this week, despite what Jess says about how well the Cardinals defend the run. We've got Jordan Howard, and we can run the football, and I think we should try to do that a bit more and I'm not talking about jet sweeps with Taylor Gabriel and none of that nonsense down said hike turn around hand the ball off to our ball carrier and boom let him do the dirty work so that's what he's here for so that's what I would like to see uh, from our offense and our defense and then let special team just keep doing what you're doing I haven't seen anything to complain about yet Cody Parkey knock on wood hasn't missed a field goal or an extra point at to this up to this point and uh, Pat O'Donnell haven't uh, seen anything to complain about there. So I think we're good as far as special teams. So special teams, defense, keep doing what you're doing. Offense, do the opposite of what you're doing. Stop throwing the damn ball so much, run it some more, and then run the offense off of our running game because we've got Jordan Howard. The defense has to respect that, and that's what made this year so enticing because we couldn't wait to see what Jordan Howard and you know what the offense would be capable of when defenses have to respect the pass that's going to open things up for Howard and the running game. He got 1,100 yards running into eight, nine-man boxes last year. They knew we were running the football, and he kept producing anyway. Now that we have a Robinson and a Gabriel, a Trey Burton, a Anthony Miller, they know that they can't just sit there in an eight-man box or we'll tear them to pieces with the passing game. Let's take advantage of that. Let's run the ball a bit more because they're not going to be loading up the box on every play. You know, we got to take advantage of the R in RPO, and I think our offense will thrive off of that. So there you have it, folks. That's going to do it for the week three preview of the Bears Talk Underground. Not the Chicago Bears review. The Bears Talk Underground. And uh, come back on Monday when we review this matchup between the Bears and the Cardinals, see how it all went down. Are we a 2-1 team heading into a big matchup 
with the possibly undefeated Tampa Bay Buccaneers next Sunday, or are we one and two trying to figure out how we lost to the worst football team in the NFL right now? Should be interesting. We'll have bear ups and bear downs, knee jerk reactions, which will probably be extremely interesting if we lose this game on Sunday. So you don't want to miss it. Come back on Monday. And until then, my name is Larry D and this has been the Bears Talk Underground.